Today's episode, I've got some return guests. It's been a long time where I've had return since I've had return guests. Most mostly everybody now is new. You guys were one of those couples that came in. This is Brett and Andrea Sackett. Um, so welcome back to the Spring Hills Podcast. Today we've picked out a very specific topic. I'm going to be talking to a lot of couples about different struggles, uh, challenges, trials that married couples go through. And today our topic is uh, the families of law enforcement. So Brett, you were in law enforcement or still kind of are, like you've, you've shared with me. Um, and we want to talk about what the struggles are, how to overcome them, how to work through them, those kinds of things that come along with that kind of life. So the the choice of that career. Obviously, it's a it's a hot topic right now with sure. law enforcement because there's a lot going on. Um, but we're going to stick with really just talking about the the sacrifice that it is for a family um, and the things that come along with it. So uh, why don't you share with us at first uh, just what your career was like with, with law enforcement? Yeah, so I um, spent 28 years with the Sheriff's Department here in Sonoma County. Uh, as a matter of fact, I am still working for them. I retired from full-time work in uh, the fall of 2018, and I'm working currently up in the county courthouse and helping them with some special assignments like during the fires and floods and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Cool. A lot of it, I went back to work um, in that part-time capacity um, because of the job, right? Um, the people you meet, the calling to help people. And so it was really important to me to, to continue to maintain my peace officer status. Yeah. Was it, was being a police officer something you had wanted to do for a long time? Yeah. Um, I got into it. My uncle was a, a police officer in LA area. Um, he had some great stories whenever I'd see him. Uh, and I was really drawn to that. I think I'm, al- I'm altruistic in general and I want to help people and I have a real strong sense of kind of right and wrong and justice. And so it was a profession that really was attractive to me. And I explored other things in college, but ultimately landed on uh, law enforcement as being the thing I wanted to do. Cool. Okay. And then also as a refresher, Andrea, um, since we had you on the podcast, what was that, November, October? Probably could have been, yeah. Somewhere around there where we talked about keys to a godly marriage. But um, So Andrea, give us a refresher on your marriage to Brett and maybe where the timeline was as far as when the police academy came in. So uh, we were actually in college. We got engaged um, in around October. And then by uh, June, he graduated from college. What college did you two go to? So uh, I went to the JC for a little while, which is where we kind of met each other. And Uh then um, ultimately went down to Biola in L.A., and that's where you, okay. that's, that's where we got engaged. Um, we had seen each other. The Bridal at, Institute of Los yeah, Angeles. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then I kind of crunched the numbers and realized that if I were to transfer back to Sonoma State or up to Sonoma State, I could um, finish up in one semester. And okay. so I transferred up and uh, kind of crammed up my last semester and graduated from Sonoma State with a bachelor's degree. Okay, cool. Yep. Right and on, on the same day, he had his last interview for the sheriff's office. So shortly after he got hired... Um, he had to go to the academy, so we switched some dates for our wedding. Um, basically, we only saw each other on the weekends. We didn't see each other throughout the week because he was away in Chico going to the academy, and uh, even after the wedding. So our honeymoon was very short. It was just a couple of days, and I ended up leaving <laughs> um, because I honestly just didn't see him. Okay. He, he was in class all day. He had a study. We would go to dinner or something, and that was about it. So I just said, you know, let me go back. I'll go back to work, and then we can use our time, you know, when we can actually do a honeymoon. So okay. it was probably not the most ideal uh, <laughs> start, but either. we were young in love, and we made it happen. So. Awesome. Yeah, in one regard, it kind of was a good setup of kind of the, the profession and the life that we had from there on out. So one thing you didn't say is, actually, I missed my own rehearsal dinner. 
No um, way. And so, how did the, okay? I got to ask then. Was there was there a conflict over this stuff, having to rearrange your your wedding, and or did, were you just kind of along for the for all of it? Sometimes yeah, does that just, make sense? I, yeah, I just I think I had to go along with it. I mean, there yeah. wasn't an option. This was what he had chosen. Because planning a wedding, first of all, is not easy. There's I think the first argument that Caitlin and I ever got in <laughs> was because of a decision ma- being made over the wedding, yeah. right? And it was just kind of like, well, the logic isn't there for me. And she's like, the logic doesn't matter to me. I want th- this is what I want yeah. to do at our wedding. So like having to literally adjust the wedding date couldn't it have was, been. It was stressful. I, re- I do remember being stressed about it, but we ended up having a lot of family that were involved. Um, yeah. You know, different people did, helped with music and all sorts. I mean, family was completely involved in yep. our wedding. So that was um a, you know, definitely a big support, yeah. but yeah, I mean the rehearsal dinner, that's a big deal. You know, I kind of had to, you know, do all of that. And then he didn't get home till what, 10, 11 at night. We did a rehearsal at that time at night and then got married the next day. Okay. And so, you, so this is now, uh, 30 years was in 2020, right? We talked about that last yes. time you guys mm-hmm. were, were on, um, because you weren't able to do some kind of big trip or something. Yeah. So you're at th- almost 31 years. Being married? Yeah, yeah. just about. Okay, cool. Well, let's talk so about this. I was this. like 12, you know, when I got married. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we don't want <laughs> to age anybody here. Um, I, had, I interviewed one of the guys from uh, the TV show The Chosen last week, and he kept saying he felt like I was aging him by making different references and him not understanding the references. And he's like, oh, no, am I aging myself even more? I'm like, no, don't worry about it, man. Yeah. You're fine. Um, well, let's talk about the challenges. Just kind of overall, we don't need to get too into detail yet, but let's talk about the challenges that come with having uh, Andrea for you. Some, some it's, uh, I know that there's female police officers that mm-hmm. have families as well, but yep. today specifically we're talking about Brett being the one uh, within law enforcement. So Andrea, let's start with you and talk about some of the challenge from your point of view as his wife, um, your husband being in law enforcement. You know, I think uh, schedules is our, our big deal. Um, it should be shift work. It could be overtime that you don't know what's going to happen, it, but mm-hmm. it's, you know, mandatory. Um, it could be that he works all night, comes home, sleeps for three hours, and then goes to court in the morning. Um, it could be, I mean, for me, it was, you know, not having him maybe at church, um, not having family, you know, family functions with him. He would stop by every once in a while for maybe a Christmas and be able to come by for 15 minutes, have a piece of pie and leave. Or So, um, so it was, you know, it was definitely a day-by-day just changes all the time. Luckily, I, I do feel like I can be pretty flexible. Okay. Well, yeah, um, I mean, you and had not to rearrange your wedding date. I'm yeah. not sure a lot of women can say that they'd just be okay with that. And so so I think it's different for everybody. And, you know, yeah. I hate to say that it, was, it wasn't it was easy, but I think, you know, it is harder for other people than, you know, some people than others. Yeah, sure, sure, yeah. So what it's, did you ever get used to it? I mean, I, my, dad was, my dad was a pastor, and there was times where, um, you, you know, they had a, he was at a bigger church and they had a beeper. Um, this is back in the nineties, right? They had a beeper, whoever, whatever pastor was on call, if there was something happening and, and a pastor needed to get called to the hospital to pray with a family, stuff like that. And that would, it was like the weeks that he had the beeper. We all just kind of knew, like, if, if you hear somebody rustling around and leaving the house at 3 AM, yeah. we just know it's dad, like that kind of thing. So obviously this is a much different situation with yeah. law enforcement, but did you ever get used to it? The on-call stuff? Knowing that he might just like at two a.m. or whatever get called and, and have it, to go yeah, somewhere. Yeah, it definitely happened. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, I think in a way you get used to it. I okay. mean, it's just really not an option. Yeah. That's just, I mean, I knew that he was doing the right thing and that, you know, I was supportive of that and, you know, that he was going to go help the situations. So. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, what, Brett, let's talk about some of the challenges maybe for you because now yeah. you're talking about leaving, you know, when you're newlywed, sure. leaving your wife, but then you've got kids, uh, young kids. Yep. So having to miss out on, on holidays and stuff like that, what was that like for you? Yeah, you know, it was, um, it's always a challenge. Um, and I, I think that... Uh, things that Andrea said really kind of, you know, hit home with me. Um, and she's true. I mean, she was so flexible. And so I, I do know, you know, relationships that are in law enforcement or any other first responder who, um, you know, it isn't quite, um, as flexible. And so, uh, that can create a lot of stress. And so I was always very, um, thankful that I had someone who was as, as understanding and, and flexible. As are she you was. pretty flexible as well? Not as flexible as her, okay, for sure. So did it throw you off a little bit with like the? Because yeah. I mean, when you've got you're in school, you've got your schedule. This yep. is where you know this is when your tests are, and this yep. is when you're even in the academy. I think it's that way probably, right? Where it's like this is when you're training. Yeah. But then when you're on the job, you can get calls at any time. Like you you were talking about the sure. the time at Easter, where it's just like all of a sudden. Yeah. You just so it it really depends on kind of what your your assignment is, right? So uh, typically, if you're just a, a patrol officer, or not just because that's really the backbone of what we do. Of course, yeah. Um, for the most part, you've got a set schedule. Um, you know, always know when you're going to get to work. You don't always know when you come home, right? Uh -huh. Because uh, you could get held over for you know, calls or investiga investigating cases. Um, and so really what the big impact on there is when you have, um, you know, court, if you work shift work. So for instance, you were, I work seven years of swing shift, you know, you go to work at four in the, in the morning, in the afternoon, come home at two. Um, and if you're new in the business, you generally don't have the great days off. So you're you know, off Tuesday, Wednesdays, Thursdays, which is big, heavy court days. And so it would not be uncommon to be subpoenaed, um, to come to court in the middle of your night. Right. So you go home, get to bed at two or three, four in the morning, and you'd be up by seven 30 and be at courthouse by eight. And is that to like testify on testify a case on that case. you're involved yeah. in or, or, or a ticket that's yeah. something? There was a, uh, this is, I don't know, I might take this out of this, but the other day we had a guy on, on campus here. I heard that. Um, and I made the citizen arrest along with Catherine <laughs> and we were kind of making jokes about like, all right, we made our first arrest now. There we're, just, we're on our way. <laughs> this is how it works now. But he was saying like, yeah, and if there's a court case, you might get called in to testify. And I'm like, oh man, I feel really important right now. You, you um, should. But no, that was, that was an interesting, we had like eight. <laughs> eight sheriff's yeah. uh, SUVs here and yeah. uh, canine and everything. And it was like, I mean, it was a very strange situation uh, all around. But anyways, um, let's talk about, you said you had mentioned, you don't know when you're going to come home, but I yep. know that also for, um, especially maybe for the spouse, there's also the question of, are you going to come home? Yeah. Um, did that weigh on you guys at all? I don't know. What was your, first of all, maybe were you on patrol? Yeah. So I spent the, about half of my career on patrol. You know? So I started in the county jail um, and for about 18 months, and then I moved into patrol position and really um, spent about seven to 10 years on patrol, uh, both as a deputy as well as a, as a supervisor. Mm -hmm. I spent 10 years on the, on the sheriff's SWAT team, five as an operator and five as a supervisor. Okay. Um, and so I was subject, of course, to, to call outs. And um, in one regard, the, the SWAT thing would be, you would think would be the highest risk. Uh -huh. But at the same time, uh, you're a highly trained unit. Um, it's a very controlled environment, generally speaking. You're all looking out for each other. Mm -hmm. And the good news is, um, for, for us, I, I always felt the amount of time and energy we put into training for SWAT would make me a better and safer street deputy. Okay. And that was really important to me. And um, 
yeah, but I always knew it, it you know, weighed heavy and it, yeah. and it certainly can. And there were some situations I got myself into that, um, I can say just for the grace of God is, is I survived and, um, I wasn't, you know, killed or injured and yeah. yeah so okay. So yeah, Andrea, amen. let's talk about that. Just your husband going out on calls and stuff with that question in your mind. Um, for sure. I mean, there was always, it always was on my mind. Um, there was a large amount of trust that I had, not only in God, but in him and the people that we, he was surrounded with, you know, right. especially with SWAT, because at those times I knew that he was putting himself himself in danger where if he was on, on the streets, I wouldn't necessarily know that he was, you know, dealing with a specific sure. yeah, yeah. Uh, she thought situation. She thought I was at the coffee shop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and when... And I just, I knew so many of the people on the SWAT team at the time, and they were amazing people. They had trained together, and you just, you know, everybody had each other's back no matter what. So, um, and I think the important thing for a spouse is the connections with other law enforcement families, because uh, you really understand what, you know, schedules are, and um, just you know, what, what the husbands or the wives are going through. Um, I was actually really lucky here at Spring Hills. There was a mom's group and probably about half of us had law enforcement husbands. And so that was a great, um, outlet, um, a great support. And then also, um, just within other deputies, um, we would get together as families, our kids grew up together. So there was just, you know, a lot of connections and mm-hmm. a lot of companies you know just don't have that they right. just don't necessarily seek each other out because i think with shift work and things like that you know people don't understand yeah we all have wednesdays off well nobody else has Wednesdays. yeah off. yeah 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 so well, that, it really yeah, does bring people together makes sense i mean we again way different but being in ministry weekends yeah. everybody else has weekends yes off. weekends yep. we don't we're not off on the weekends, yeah. obviously. So, mm-hmm. like, if people are going on trips and stuff, we're like, well, we got church. Can't do it. So yeah, We're getting together on Saturday night. Well, I can't go. Yeah, yeah we have a service. That's just, that's how, and that, all, often that came up, especially in our first few years of marriage, of just kind of, like, trying to work out family dinners. And it's like, yeah, you can't do it on Saturday night. Sorry, yeah. just don't do it. Um, so, you mentioned that we talked about this prior to, to recording here, but just talking about having some other um, other friends within law enforcement as well. You had mentioned that there's kind of a myth amongst uh, law enforcement that people think that, or wherever the myth comes from, that the divorce rate is higher within law enforcement. Yeah. Um, so you want to talk to that a little bit? Yeah. I think the, the the common misperception in the general public is that the divorce rate in law enforcement is greater than any other profession, um, or same thing for any other first responder. And while it, it, it very well could be true, there's really no empirical data to, to support that yet. Um, not a lot of studies have been done on it. Um, but uh, so it, I, I, I don't think that should be your reason to think that you got a divorce is because it's law enforcement. I, I think it would be other issues that would come through or struggles in your marriage. Um, I also mentioned before that uh, a recent study came out in late 2019 that did, did kind of point out that the suicide rate amongst law enforcement is the greatest of all professions. Um, and so I think when you're struggling with that kind of stuff, you know, PTSD or just currently what's going on in the world with uh, the perception of law enforcement, it can weigh heavy on you. And of course, if you're not healthy and you're depressed and you're not happy, it can take a real toll on your marriage. Um, yeah. And so that's something that certainly we need to be um, concerned about. Yeah. So I want to talk about the, the sacrifices that are being made um, going along these lines of, mm-hmm. of working together as a couple. Sacrifices being made by both of you. 
uh, as the, as far as the couple goes, you're sacrificing, obviously you're sacrificing your, your time, your safety, your, um, your family time that you, you should have with your kids on Christmas day or whatever it is. Sure. Right. And you're sacrificing having your spouse around for all of that stuff, along with a lot of other things yeah. as well. Um, but are there any other sacrifices that really stand out as far as like just being a family that is involved in this, this is your life, right? So you've been doing it now for almost 31 years. Yeah. Um, I mean, even still, cause you're going to, you've got kids now that are all adults, mm-hmm. but you're going to start having grandbabies and then it's just, it's still part of your life. So yeah. yeah. What kind of sacrifices are being made beyond those? If there are any other ones that yeah, come to mind. No, I th- you know, I think for, um, for, for some reason, well, I think I know the reason, but it doesn't make sense to me, but you know, law enforcement can be very polarizing in profession, um, within just the general public. So, there are, you know, family members, for instance, who, you know, aren't necessarily big supporters of yeah. law enforcement. And, and I remember a couple family events and where they would, you know, kind of challenge you about doing X, Y, and Z and, you know, all cops are this way. And, and that's not new. Yeah. And this is just a, like, this is a family dinner. Yeah, wanna, yeah, yeah. I want to enjoy my lasagna and my garlic bread. Right. So let's, uh, let's leave me alone, grandma. This. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so, I was more trained, I think, to just kind of slough it off. Sure. Um, but I, I think it, it impacted Andrea more than, okay. than I would imagine. And so um, she's, you know. Becomes the topic well, of a lot of conversation. Or, and you're probably like, can we just move on and talk about the soccer game? Yeah. 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 Like that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Did you know I got pulled over and that guy was so rude? And Yeah, yeah. I noticed this also. My, my brother-in-law, who's a police officer, I've noticed this where we've asked him questions every now and then. And I'm always... I'm always trying to ask him funny questions. Like, I don't like to ask the, I don't want to talk about serious stuff. So I'm always trying to ask stupid questions, just kind of like, so if you gave me your business card and I get pulled over, can I just kind of show him the business card and be like, this is my brother-in-law, you know, you guys friends, do you know him? Oh yeah. (laughs) Can you let me get, you know, just that kind of stuff. He goes, yeah, you can have my business card. Give it a try. You know, like that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I don't like, I don't like asking, but I know like a lot of people ask him the question like, Hey, are you allowed to do this? And sometimes he's like, I don't know. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. That's not my job. That's just not yeah. where I'm at. I'm sure it gets annoying, right? Like having people all the time ask. What's it? Yeah. Like this. Yeah. Do you guys all go when you get called to a slot thing? All the time. All the time. Yep. And we roll up there, make sure our hair looks good in the mirror. Yeah. Yeah. Look, make sure it looks good. But yeah, sacrifices being made by both of you is obvious. I think an obvious one, but let's talk about. And one other thing. I think there's also sacrifices for the children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of pressure on our, the kids. Um, they could get backlashed at school. Oh, We've been yeah. in situations, um, you know, go to the mall and Brett sees somebody he, he arrested and he's like giving us the, you know, like get out of here kind mm-hmm. of, you know, look. Um, Another situation I never would have thought about yeah. until you yeah. just said that. And yeah. it happened more time that more times than you would think. Um, you know, dad doesn't want to go to the fair because... He'll you see a lot of people, people that yeah. he, he'll, he'll know. Um, so it just, it, there is a, a sacrifice for the kids too, just overall. Yeah. Yeah. That man, that's an, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. That's a, is, has that been something you've dealt with a lot where oh. you've had people negatively like come after you, even though you're, can I ask well, that question? Yeah. yeah. Know. Uh, you know, um, I've been fortunate not to really have anybody negatively come at me, but they're, there are people you run into who will definitely kind of stare you down and, you know, safe way. And then you're, then you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm, you know, with my kids or with my family or I got to get, which my, is to- my yeah, car. obviously yeah. totally different. If you're yeah. on your own, now you're looking out for the four people that are in your car. Yeah. Too, and- but, but I always treated, you know, my contacts with respect and dignity and, you know, just because they did something wrong doesn't mean they're bad people. And so, um, 
whether that, you know, helped me or not. And, you know, in those situations where I ran into him off duty, um, who knows, but have you seen any of the opposite where somebody's like has been, had their life has been changed because they were set straight or something? Oh yeah. That's, I mean, yeah. that's gotta be no, rewarding we, in its own way. Oh yeah. Very much so. We had, um, um, kind of what, you know, one of my, you know, kind of, I guess rules would be, um, you know, people who deal with addictions have a bunch of problems. Right. Uh -huh. And so, um, every time I would deal with people that I developed relationships with, and there was, you know, a dozen or so, um, we always kind of had an agreement and the agreement is if, if, if they come to me and seek me out for, for help, um, I will get them the help that they need. Right. All right. But if I'm patrolling the back streets, you know, and I see them kind of catting around or prowling in a car, I'm, I'm going to arrest them. Um, yeah. and that's just the way it is. So, so it has to be kind of a two way street. And I held up my end of the bargain on more than one occasion where people would call me up and say, you know, I'm just having, I'm struggling with this and yeah. And even if they're high at the time, I'm not going to necessarily, um, you know, take enforcement action. I'm going to get them into some you know, rehab if I can. And there's probably also a misconception uh, or misperception that, uh, however, whatever the word is I'm looking for there, that uh, law enforcement, that you you don't like the people that you're arresting, but you care about them too. You want them to be rehabilitated or you want them to be to make yeah. better choices. And Absolutely. Stuff. And probably, uh, is it, does it, does that weigh on you? The idea that like, cause I think, I think that's, that's portrayed in films too, where it's like the people you hate are the people you're arresting and there's not hate in your heart towards these people. You want to keep not people safe and that's both sides. Yeah. The, the guys that are committing crimes or the people that you're protecting. Yeah. And, and I don't want to, um, sound you know, too Pollyannish. There are some very evil people in this world. Uh -huh. Um, and we've come across them and I've not really had a, um, any issue about, you know, putting them away because that's where I think they need to be. But that's because I'm, you know, I have a strong faith and I think that, you know, God is you know, using me as a tool and a resource for, to further his word. Right? right. So that, that's the important part. But for the most part, you know, a lot of people are just struggles. Right. I mean, and, um, yeah. Are there any challenges? I want to talk about communication now. Um, are there any challenges that are unique to law enforcement within couples that I could, Andrea, let's start with you actually, because, a lot of times I come home from work, it's easy for my wife to be like, what'd you do today? And I can just be like, well, I edited some kids videos and worked on a new song and you know, that kind of stuff. This is very different. Um, very you can be very transparent. I can be very yes. transparent. So that you see where I'm going with this. So yes. um, you can't necessarily just expect that, especially if the kids are in the room, for him to just drop all this information about what happened. Um, so are there any challenges specific to communication that are unique to law enforcement families? Um. Well, at least for Brett, and I, I can't really speak to others, but um, I know he was very protective of what he shared. Um, it was kind of funny. We'd go to get-togethers or parties, and he would be telling stories, and I'm like, I've never heard that. Mm. But he was very protective about what he saw, and, and you have to remember, I mean, a, a majority of what they come across, the experiences that they have, are very negative. They could be... Um, you know, it could be shootings, suicides, children dying. I mean, just it goes on and on. So this is what their mind is filled with constantly. Mm -hmm. um, and he was always trying to protect me from that. Now, didn't mean that we didn't have conversations and that, you know, he would tell stories here and there. But he also was very careful about how much he told me or exactly what they were. Was that discussed early on in your marriage about how that was going to be? Because mm -mm. um, I'm sure that that's something, especially if there's, you know, someone that gets married to someone who's already in law enforcement, they've already got their uh, their habits or their schedules and things that they're doing. Now they're bringing somebody else into their life. Now you guys got married, obviously, right before you went to the academy. 
but is there, what was the, was there any conversations like, Hey, I need to just not share that with you or anything like that? No, I, I, I don't think so. I mean, it, it's, you know, there's kind of two schools on this and sure. there's probably, you know, shades of gray in the middle, but, um, there are people who, um, come home and share everything, um, with their spouse and it works for them. It really does. Are there um, things you're not allowed to share? To your spouse? Uh, well, there certainly is things that are confidential. Depending on your, yeah. your again, um, a, on your assignment. Yeah, exactly. So there's certainly things that are that are highly confidential that just can't be shared at all um, outside of kind of the profession. So, um, but for for me, uh, Andrea was um, just kind of this beacon of like beauty and hope and love, and so. My, my coping mechanism was to come home and kind of plug into that as opposed to taking her out of that and plugging into kind of my, my environment. Um, and so that's what worked for me for all those years. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. makes sense. Cause yeah. I mean, like if you come home and you bring it all home with you yeah. and you just unload like that, there's no, I mean, everybody's different, but sure. of course I can picture my own personality yeah. or my wife's personality that would tank us. It would just be kind of like, this is dark. I don't want to talk about the dark. Let's talk about the, yeah. the hope. So you want to hear about the soccer yeah. games and you want to hear about yeah, the things. Exactly. Yeah. It exactly. gives, you, gives you hope. And that she th- thought everybody in the world was great. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And, and I, it was important for me to hear that from people, from people I love. Yeah. Is there, so talking about like with the kids too, is there, um, obviously you don't want to just share everything with the kids, but is there also an element to, we want the kids to know that, that, that dark is out there, that there are bad people, that they need to be, watch out and be safe? Oh yeah. I think that being a child of a law enforcement. Or is that a different podcast? Yeah, it's probably a different (laughs) podcast, but being a child of a law enforcement is tough. I would think, um, you know, there's this perception amongst their own friends about, you know, what your dad or mom does, you know, for, for living and who they are. Um, and there's always this constant fear of either, um, letting them down or not, or being caught by somebody or stopped by, you know, a friend and, Mm. um, cause you know, yeah, it'd interesting. Be, it'd be a tough gig to be a kid. Oh, but I sure. think when they're young, it's like a pastor's kid, right? Uh, yeah. Well, I, I think like when they're young, just like every other kid, they don't really know what they what their yeah, yeah, mother yeah. or father does, right? Yeah. Well, what do they do? I I don't know. Like they work here or something. Yeah. You know, I mean, they might know a little bit more with police, but but well, I was gonna say like with details. police officers, that's a lot of times. Like my kids are three and five, and both of them at some point have said they want to be police yeah. officers or they want to be they want to be sure. uh, firemen. Like those are the ones that. They don't, they don't talk about being a, a lawyer or something yet like that yeah. because the ones that they know, like my youngest son, he's got a little Hot Wheels car. It's a police car, and he carries it with him everywhere. everywhere. Sweet. He loves it. He says he wants to be a policeman. Now, he's three. Obviously, yeah. he's not making his life choices based on what he yeah. knows <laughs> now, but he already understands like what a policeman is. Yeah. So, yeah, but the kids, knowing that their dad's a, a cop, and it's also portrayed, obviously, in TV and movies yeah. and I mean, Paw Patrol is really realistic, right? So <laughs> you got the, um, I want to ask, though, we're talking about communication. Uh, I'm getting us off topic, but to drag it back to the topic, what about a couple? How would we encourage a couple that's uh, some one of the, the spouse or maybe both of them are in law enforcement um, that struggle with communication, that this is a problem for them? How could yeah. we encourage them? Well, uh, the great irony is in order to kind of get through communication, you have to communicate about it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and you got to talk about it and that's the, that's the challenge. And so, um, and for, uh, I I think for, for most, well, in most agencies, as I mentioned that, that there is, um, been a real focus on kind of the health and well being of their staff, um, which is a great movement that's been going on towards the tail end of my career, but it really is kind of gaining steam. And, And you get studies, like I mentioned before, where suicide is so high in law enforcement, 
Um, so if you can start working on some of the PTSD issues um, and there's EAP programs and, and from, like I said, for me, the, you know, my faith has been a big part of it. Right. And I've been so thankful that Spring Hills has been part of my life um, and thankful that um, you've, you know, so graciously hosted so many law enforcement conferences here, mm-hmm. whether it's trainings or conferences, because I do think that it exposes um, people to the campus, right? Yeah. And they go like, God, that's yeah, we of, did the canine training here yeah, that's a couple kind of, months ago. They're kind of and cool people. Just meeting those guys was just, I would have never met those guys in yeah. any other, I mean, I don't go around committing a whole lot of crimes. So <laughs> uh, that's not, I'm not going to exactly meet all those guys. So that was really yeah. cool to have them here yeah. and using, I mean, they're all over the campus too that's and great. watching them and, and, the kids are just, they love it. And so yeah. it's got to be encouraging at some point for people yeah. to show appreciation, not only by letting you use the campus, but yeah. for the kids to all be here and be like, you guys are heroes. You guys are awesome. You know, it's got to be a nice little it, it uplift, is. right? Yeah. And I, I uh, in the last part you're talking about the, you know, there are some advantages to being a, you know, the, a, a kid's cop or yeah, yeah. a cop, a cop's kid, because you know, I was able to bring patrol cars to their yeah. schools, and yeah. and I remember we brought our SWAT, SWAT SWAT tank one time, and be like, "Oh my gosh, the tanks here!" And the helicopter flies over top, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and so there are some advantages oh, to, sure. to that, of course. And it's great public outreach, and it really kind of um, um, is a movement to kind of expose kids at a younger age that you know law enforcement really are your friends and so, eyes and lows um, of, yeah. of of it all. Huh? It's great. So Andrea, let's talk about maybe a spouse that, whose husband um, is on law in law enforcement and is having struggle struggles with the communication side of things. What would you do to encourage some, uh, you you mentioned having a group of friends, mm-hmm. um, but what are some other ways we can encourage them to, I mean, if you, if you have any, we've uh, got marriage mentoring, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I do think that friends and family just trying to reach out to them and, um, and trying to find people that have something in common with you that maybe they would understand. Cause like I said, not everybody understands, the schedules, the pressure, um, you know, the things that maybe their spouse sees even. Yeah. It just, it does come home. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, um, you know, who, you know, there can be positives, but also who Brett is now is not necessarily who he was 30 years ago when he started. Mm-hmm. I mean, his mind, unfortunately, was filled with, you know, lots of negativity. And, and as much as he was trying to help, it also, you know, just you see a lot. So it, it can come home that way, too. And Do you feel, so we've talked a lot about the kids of police officers, but as the spouse of a police officer, do you feel the some of the negative attention, too? Yeah, I think it is. With I mean, it's, there's a lot of scrutiny right now. There's a lot of negativity, and it seems to be that every officer is basically awful. It's, yeah, so it's, it's clumped it's, it's together very, right now. Yes, yeah. it's very heartbreaking. Um, and it's, it's hard to either tell for them or against them. And yes. it's, yeah. And it's hard to, you know, if somebody says, Oh, what does your husband do? I can't always say, um, it depends on the situation. It's not, you know, it might not be somebody that I'm comfortable with. So I keep it very general. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of heartbreaking because I'm very proud of what he's done. I know he's made a big impact in the community and different, you know, positions that he's had. He's enjoyed the job. Um, so it's, it's heartbreaking that it can't be something that, you know, I can feel comfortable with all yeah. the time. Yeah. So, so here's one of the, the big challenges, right? Um, is that the, the, the personality traits that make you or keep you safe on the street, right. Are not necessarily conducive to a happy home life. Okay. Right. So w- when you're on the street, you, you're generally s- suspicious, you're very controlling and ensure that um, you know what you're doing. 
Um, you can be a little bit kind of commanding. Um, so those things are what keep you safe and alert all the time. But when you come home, it, it doesn't really bode that well when you're, you know. You can't just walk into the kitchen and start. Of people around. Get your hands on your head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sit down. Yeah. yeah so I, That makes sense. So you have to be, and, and so part of it is just being cognizant of that, right? And so um, at least, you know, the last part of my career, you know, as a police chief, I really try to spend a lot of time kind of focusing and, and kind of helping our staff understand that um, you really have to be a little bit of a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, right? You, you have to be a certain type of person when you're working because that is what makes you good at your job. And that's what makes you safe at your job. But when you get home, you're going to have to shed that armor and that persona because you really have to be a, a husband and a wife or a husband or a wife and or a father, you know. Yeah, so. you can't be a husband and a wife. Yeah, you, yourself. you can't. Yeah, Correct. Hard. Um, I had, this is another question with this. We were talking about in the sharing specifics with your day mm -hmm. and stuff and communication. Um, so how, and I'll specifically to Brett, this is, I, I did ask a few of my friends and family that have law enforcement um, within their families. I don't have anyone in my immediate family um, that's in law enforcement. So I reached out to ask some of the questions they would want answered with this, especially if they're, they're younger. Some of them are in their first year yeah. um, within uh, working for, as a police officer. This is one of the questions that came up with pretty much everybody, um, and it's to you, Andrea, which is how were you able to encourage your husband after a long, difficult situation? Hmm. Or maybe, <laughs> Brett, you can answer it too. How, how was your wife able to encourage you after something, coming home from a long, difficult situation? Well, I, I think it was more organic than kind of an, uh, an, an overt act. I think just her, as I mentioned before, she's, you know, very flexible, even keel, sweet as can be, doesn't, doesn't pry, um, is there if I need her, but yet not pushy. Um, I mean, I think so, I was definitely a listening ear. That's oh yeah. one thing that you, you need very to much be, so. you know, I, I can't answer the question, you know, maybe concerns that he has or questions that he has. Why yeah. did that happen? You can't fix it. I can't fix no. it, but I can, I, I think I've always been there to, to listen and, you know, just, to be somebody, um, a support to him. And yeah. And, and like, um, and it happened with, to me, you know, se several times, but, um, I certainly saw it happen in the people who you know, worked for me is that, you know, Hey, we have dinner plans on a Friday night and you're looking forward to, you know, seeing your spouse and that'd be great. And then all of a sudden, you know, a half hour before you get off shift, you know, something happens and you got a call and say, I, I can't be there. Or, Hey, I got held over or the sergeant called me and said, Hey, I got to, you know, work till 10 tonight or I got to go, you know, guard the prisoner at the, at the hospital. And so I always was knew I'm not going to walk home to like, why is it always you? And how come you skipped out? And, and, and she never did that. Right. And so, but there are people I, I know in the profession whose spouse, um, both males and females, um, whose spouse isn't that way. Right. And so they feel really threatened by the job because they're stealing time from me. Um, and, and that's a real challenge. I mean, I guess that's one of the biggest encouraging things you can have is knowing that for sure you're not coming home to a hostile, yes. you know, um, Hey, why'd you, why'd you have to bail on us? Couldn't somebody else have handled that? that kind exactly of stuff? right. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I never had that. So that was very, very thankful for that. I did give him a hard time, though. At one point, he did have a position that he traveled, and um, he was recruiting people. 
And he would, I swear, he would leave, he would drive down the road and the kids would be sick. They'd be throwing up on me, something. And I'm like, (laughs) how is it that he walks away and everything just goes to pieces? He's gone for a few days and he comes home. He's like, oh, I'm so tired because... You know, I'm I'm just by myself. I didn't, you know, I wasn't sleeping next to you. I'm like, really, you had you. a full bed in a hotel <laughs> that's quiet, and the kids are all sick. My, <laughs> so I, believe me, I gave him a hard time at one point. This is oh man, I that, that's I can I can relate in another way again. Uh, just because I I hate it when Caitlin and the boys are out of town. She'll let she is she's a photographer, so she'll travel back to our hometown and she'll do photo shoots and like the kids are with her. Yeah, and they'll all sleep in one bed together. Now when once she's asleep she can sleep through anything but it's the getting them to get getting them to sleep and her falling asleep that's kind of a struggle and i've said to her in the past just like i don't sleep well at all when you guys are gone because i i i'm not i don't sleep particularly well anyway i'm such a light sleeper anything wakes me up and when you live in an apartment complex a lot of noises are happening right but i said that one point and i could just see on her face kind of the (laughs) the irritation (laughs) of just kind of like empty house empty bedroom empty bed and you're complaining about your night of sleep <laughs> because I was in a twin bed with two boys, you know, like that, just <laughs> yeah. that kind of thing. Um, yeah. I wanted to ask this question too. Um, having, we'll get to, uh, you know, some different specifics on um, some resources for some people, but I wanted to, this was sticking out to me a lot, which is your responsibility. F- you are responsible for your family. Uh, and if you're looking at your, your notes there, it's the second to last thing mm-hmm. on here, responsible for your family and your job, um, how you provide for your family. But the fact that your job is also to protect people and help people, you feel responsible to them as well. So how are you balancing that? Because your responsibilities are all over the place. Yeah. Now, it's it's obviously very unique in the way that you're protecting people. Now you're even trying to protect the people that are committing crimes. Like you're, it's just all over. You're, that's your responsibility is to protect, right? Protect True. and serve. Um, so, yeah, how are you balancing that? Uh, not always great. Um, you know, it's tough. Uh, but I think you're right that law enforcement has this kind of over... Um, zealous sense of responsibility and duty um, to all things that are fair and just and righteous and, um, and to help people. And so you, um, you have to find that balancing act and it's more of a, an art than a science and you get it right sometimes. And sometimes you really don't. Um, and so uh, luckily, f- you know, f- for me, at least in the last half of my, of my career was in a position that I, um, you know, I didn't have a lot of those exposures that certain people have. Um, you had different types of pressures when you're chief, but um, in certain long hours and you know, ma- major expectations of certain things. But for the most part, um, it is something that is, uh, there's no formula, I mm-hmm. guess is the way to say it. Yeah. You know, I wish there was. Yeah. So that, is there ever a time, because you're, obvi- you're making the decision to, you've made the decision to be a police officer. Mm-hmm. That is the choice that you've made. Is there ever a time that that there people struggle with the idea that they need to step back? I don't know what step back looks like necessarily, yeah. um, whether that means just taking a different assignment that's, uh, I don't know if it's less on-call hours or less yeah. um, less patrol, whatever it is, but is there ever a time that that becomes a struggle within law enforcement families that's like, hey, you have, the, you have a choice here. Why won't you make the choice that's better for a family instead of better for your sure. career or in better for the people yeah. that you're protecting? Yeah, well, and some of that, I think, is um, institutionalized um, to the point where um, 
there are rarely like lifetime, at least not around here, lifetime assignments to certain things. Like um, when we were at the sheriff's department, we were always very careful about people who uh, were doing tours in domestic violence, sexual assault, and child abuse. All right. Because we knew what they were seeing. Um, so we wouldn't allow them to be in that unit for, for, for more than three to five years. Yeah. Right. Uh, there were some, of course, some exceptions to the rule. But generally speaking, we wanted to get them in for, you know, no, no less than three and no longer than five. Same thing for the coroner's office, right, who are dealing with, uh, you know, dead bodies and death all the time. Uh, violent crime, same thing. That so You, you want to get them in, uh, have them excel at what they do, make a difference in their community and in their investigations, uh, but at the same time step back out. And so we would build those into basically kind of our, our rotations. Yeah. Um, but there are also times where people, um, and I have uh, friends who took a promotion and it just was – um, in, into a new unit and it was on call. Um, detectives are on call all the time and just exhausting for them, um, depending upon what's going on. Um, <clears throat> and it would impact them. And matter of fact, unfortunately I've known more than one couple, um, who, you know, unfortunately had, you know, struggles and some even split because of that particular, you know, issue. Yeah. And I think talking about the, mm -hmm. the, the misperception that that's a high divorce rate doesn't mean when you said there's no data to show that that is the highest yeah. uh, career for divorce rate. It's still, it's still there. Yeah. And I think it is and with any career, but it's got to be with the, yeah. the pressures. And yeah. And, and I think, um, you know, kind of bring it back, back to my faith. Uh, um, I really felt that was my calling. Right. And so I think when, when you are uh, in the right profession for the right reasons, because you're called there, that, God protects you and puts something kind of around you that really allows you to kind of deal with these things. Now, it doesn't mean you don't have struggles, right? But, um, but I always felt that I was in the right place, that, you know, God was using me to, to do his will. Um, and that was important. And so I was able to, to, you know, handle things that other people probably couldn't. Yeah. And so I think people who, who, who have a fantasy about law enforcement or other first responders, whether it's, you know, fire or EMS or ER doctors. Um, if you have this kind of fantasy of what it's going to be like, but you don't have a strong faith and you're not really truly called there. Like, you know, some of us you'll get in that profession and all of a sudden there's this cascading effect of stress that begins to, to kind of eat away at you in ways that you probably shouldn't. Yeah. Let's talk about this then. So Andrea, I'll go back to you. Um, having, ha having a strong faith, at the center of your marriage. We've talked about that. We talked to keys to a godly marriage last time you were on the podcast. That's going to look different for, uh, for people as far as being able to attend church together. Cause we've already talked about that where you've been mm -hmm. called out, haven't been able, I'm sure there's been chunks of time where you're like, I haven't been at church in, in a month because yeah. it just keeps on Sunday mornings. It just keeps, I get called in. So um, if, if church is not something that's able to be a consistent thing, attending church together, how do you as a couple uh, have a strong faith in God at the center of your marriage? What are some of the, the things that you do? Uh, we have been in home groups. Okay. Um, and so that's actually accommodated for, I yeah. know we had one at our house for almost 10 years through Spring Hills. Um, and just other Bible studies we've been involved with. I know Brett's come to some of the men's, you know, like on a Saturday morning or something that he might be able to attend. Um, but yeah, just finding other outlets. I mean, I have to tell a story that... Um, so when, before we had children, Brett did work um, on the weekends, and so he could not attend church. And um, I would come, my, come by myself all the time. My brother was actually the music pastor. Oh, you, you told me this. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So he, um, 
So, you know, so I would, I would go visit my brother, my sister-in-law. I would be holding the kids all the time and just hanging out with them. And, and at one point somebody realized it was my brother and not that I was just the creepy girl. <laughs> that was the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's some downfalls of showing up by yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was just something that I did. It was, you know, we both had a strong belief and we wanted yeah. to continue that. And any chance he could get, he would join. Um, so I don't think, you know, I mean, there was definitely sections of time that he couldn't go, but I would say the majority of the time he has, depending on his, um, his, uh, it was situation. still a priority. Yeah. 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 Well, and I remember but the, the home groups were also yeah. a, an outlet if he couldn't go, that was like midweek or something. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, uh, you know, as a, as a young cop and, you know, I was working, you know, um, graveyards on Saturday night, getting off at seven, eight in the morning on Sunday morning. And so we would meet, uh, for, uh, a croissant or breakfast or something. And then she'd go to church. I go and go to bed. Uh, and then I had a, a kind of a, a mentor friend of mine who had been an airline pilot or was an airline pilot. And he says, how, how's your church going? And I'm like, well, I can't really go anymore. You know, I work nights. And, and he just called me on the carpet and said, no, I, you know, I, I flew in from New York or Tokyo and I got to church. So you can, you can get, to you church. Can get to church. Right. Yeah. You can sleep at, you know, you can sleep. It's after. important. It it's really important. is. And I know that yeah. it's, it's, it's gotten lost a little bit. I mean, I grew up, I, I'm old enough to know like the, to remember when church wasn't just anywhere yep. you couldn't. Um, and I mean, the, by that, I mean like the church service, you couldn't watch it online from your, from your couch yeah. um, the way that you can now, especially now you can watch any church online. You can, you can attend church mm-hmm. from across the world. No problem, which yeah. is a crazy thought, but um, just knowing, looking back at, at how much I, I can honestly tell you that I did not like having to go to church when I was a kid, but I look back at how important that yeah. was to my family to all go to church together. And it was just kind of like the consistent thing that every Sunday we went to church together. And I realized that when, uh, Caitlin and I were young marrieds, that it was like, it's hard to, at- I mean, it's hard to attend church together when I'm on the mm-hmm. stage for sure. half the service, but she comes to church and I still now, and you know, doesn't always work out because I'm, you know, fixing something with the tech or whatever, but I try to make sure I go and I sit with her during yeah. Brett's message to attend church with her. It doesn't always work out to that way, but, and yeah. it's, it's fine because we've, you know, we've found other ways to, uh, you know, we've led small groups together and mm-hmm. been in small groups together and stuff like that. Um, but just prioritizing it, making sure that it God is. stays in, in the middle of your marriage, no matter, um, no matter what your, what career you're in, Yeah, that's that's the key to a godly marriage, right? Is keeping yeah. God at the center and, of it. And I would venture to, to, to say, it's not a majority, but there's a considerable portion of people who are in the law enforcement profession who are believers. Um, well, I was going to ask that great. question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, and it's got to still be now there's a, there's a, like you said, a, um, a considerable amount, but it's still got to be tough to be a Christian in law enforcement. Just the, yeah. the darkness that you're seeing has to be kind of yeah. weigh on you in a different way. Like, um, cause now you're not only just looking at these people, as people that are, you know, committing a crime, but you're looking at these people that are at their eternal uh, salvation being like, these people are lost. They're, yeah. they need God. They need Jesus in their life, you know, and sure like, it's got a way on you in a different way. Right. Yeah. And, you know, thank goodness you can pray with your eyes open because there were many times when I would be either going to a call or coming from a call, um, you know, just praying. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And that's, I, th- I think we've had, there's a lot of, um, I, I specifically at church, I'm not sure, but um, a lot of people that I've, I've seen speak that have, they were criminals. They spent time in prison and they came to yeah. Christ in prison because of a prison ministry or something. Yep. And now it's like, this is what they do. 
they go, we, everybody needs Jesus. That's what it is. So now we've got quite a few, this is going to be where we can kind of wrap it up here, but we've got quite a few law enforcement within our own church here Mm -hmm. um, and talking about keeping God at the center of your marriage and stuff. So I want to encourage those people. um, We've got the, the couples mentoring that you two are available to meet with couples, right? So Mm -hmm. um, we've talked about this before, but let's go over it again. How do people um, get to these resources? So like, let's start with couple mentor, couples mentoring. How would they connect with you? Yeah, well, so uh, there's a couple different ways, right? So either through the connection card, or you can um, email, you know, Pastor Garrett or John. The other John, not me. The other Garrett. I mean, if you email me, I'll know who to give it to. But exactly, G A R R E T T is Garrett Ward. Yeah, exactly. At SpringHills.com. Yeah, Um, I think there's even a comment section on on the website or on the on the app, and so. so that's generally where how people normally get, get started. Uh, a couple times, Andrea and I and another couple, the Passies, um, have held a small group for kind of newly in, or engaged or newly married couples. Um, so people get to us kind of through the, sm- the small group. Um, it's a little more difficult to do that um, when we're kind of in, in Zoom meetings because um, it's kind of a, there's a synergy about being together and talking and sharing, being vulnerable. Um, and so we haven't really um, held those classes recently, but Hopefully, once we kind of get back in the fall and things look better, we'll have another um, kind of in-person so people can, can connect that way. Okay. Um, but it's great. It's, a, it's an outstanding ministry, and the people who went through it, um, I think, are really good people, and they're committed to try to help you. And um, we're excited about uh, we'll be getting a new couple here soon, and so we're excited about that. And uh, it's just great. It's a great ministry, and so we're really supportive. And, of course, the Stevens ministry is a great opportunity for people. And, yeah, there's it, it really is good that the resources that the church has available. Yeah. And I know that Garrett Ward specifically, he heads up a lot of that stuff. And he's always looking for different things to to yeah. make sure that we've got the resources for people that are going through stuff because we want to be here to help people. Yeah. Right? So um, what other resources can we do? Are there for like, I mean, Christian counseling, whatever there is for, yeah. for couples. Specifically, let's talk about law enforcement just because that's. Yeah. So so there's a couple of big ones here in Sonoma County. Um there is uh, what's called the West Coast Trauma Center, and so that really, or trauma retreat, and that is really for people who are who are struggling, you know, um, in the profession. So people who have maybe either been shot or um, have people who have um, just suffering from really significant PTSD, um, and and it's kind of a one-on-one. There's a there's a a kind of a couples portion of it, but really it's focusing on on the employee kind of as, a re- as they. Um, heal up. Uh, a fairly new one that just kind of started is the First Responders Resiliency Program, um, and uh, I know several people who are who are facilitators in that, and it's a great program, and it is a couples program. Really t- talk about communication. Uh, it's not faith based. I think there are people that who are run it have faith, um, so that's uh, no, but it's not necessarily faith based as a nonprofit. And those are um, important. And each agency has a, a peer support program. Um, that they should be you know, well aware of in the EAP program. Um, so all those are out there, but it's really breaking down um, the walls and showing that it's okay to reach out for help. Yeah. Um, and that is always a struggle. Um, you know, after any critical incident, agencies, especially around here, and I think it's, you know, if not you know, statewide for sure, if not nationwide, is that you will have a critical incident de- debriefing where we'll bring in a very highly trained psychologist who's got a background in, and let's talk about, you know, and make sure you're okay. yeah, how do you think it, how do you think it felt, you know, and, and we talk about incidences and, um, and it's everybody, right? So whether you're a, a dispatcher taking the first phone call or you're a, one of the 
you know, the officers who arrived on the scene or you're one of the supervisors who had to make decisions and you kind of bring them all together and we just kind of, you know, go through a, a, a debriefing and um, try to assess how people are doing. And, and because it could, I mean, up. things can rattle you and sometimes it's like yeah. you don't even understand why something's, something's bothering you. I mean, yeah. that's, we see that in life all the time, right? Yeah. Have you, this is totally going backwards here, but have you noticed over um, the last, let's say the last, uh, eight to 10 years or so since social media has really taken off. Has it been different with you, the interactions with police officers or does that just like from the perception of someone like me who sees stuff online all the time and, and, or is it like, Nope, that's just how it's always been. It's just, you're seeing it now. Do you get with my, do you get my question? Uh, I, I do. Uh, I think, you know, we're both kind of smiling, um, because, uh, I, I think the social media is just a, it's a monster. It's a monster. <laughs> it is. A, it is a monster. It really is. And um, and and we and we would see it because people would have the quote unquote freedom, right, and the courage to, at three in the morning to just unload on people on social media. And so, um, I, I do my best to stay away from it. It just seems to be a black hole that I don't want to you know go into, and it just you know affects my mood half the time because yeah. uh, <laughs> most of the stuff isn't true. Um, it drives me crazy. Um, and I struggle with wanting to respond, and that's not the right thing to do. And well, and who so, are you going to convince? Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. That's one thing I've always, like, with my with me on social media, I'm like, I'm going to talk about basketball yep. and movies and my family yeah. and God, and those are the things I'm going to talk about. <laughs> I'm not going to argue with you about something unless you're going to try to tell me LeBron's better than Jordan. <laughs> then we're going to have a long talk Taking about that down. because um, we all know We all know it's Jordan. Thank you very much. We don't need to talk about that now. That's a different podcast. Um, anything else we want to add here uh, with, uh, I mean, do, we're, any other resources? Any other? No, thing but I just think that um, even prior to starting law enforcement, um, especially for the, the officer, you know, being proactive and figuring out how do I deal with the stress, you know, and seeking that out is that exercise is that, you know, you know, finding out what your niche is to kind of help with the situation because it, it has to be a lot to come home. And then how do you go to bed? How do you, you know, you have so much on your mind. So how do you work through that? And if that's seeking out help and trying to get a, you know, a pattern on, you know, your, your evening or exercising or whatever it is. I think that's really important. Yeah. More important than I think a lot of jobs. Sure. Oh yeah, yeah. And I think that's one of the things I wanted to bring you on is because this is such a unique, yeah. such a, such a unique uh, experience, I guess you sure. could say, for your family to be going through what you're going through as yeah. far as a police officer's family. Because, I mean, what small percentage of the population? Yeah. And um, I think for a lot of just you know normal you know, quote unquote, normal jobs, but just your typical job where you're in an office or you're, mm -hmm. you know, you're doing paperwork, you're writing emails, you're working on these different projects, or even just like what we do here, ministry is not your typical job, but it's still, you know, we're sure. still doing a lot of just, it's just stuff on computers yeah. and it's, it's running, uh, it's running the services and things like that. But it's such a unique thing for police yeah. officers and not just police officers, but their families too, um, that I think there's not a whole lot of light on from, you know, again, my perspective, I don't know a whole lot about it because I just haven't been around it. So yeah. it's it's good to know. You mentioned a few things today. I'm like, see, I never thought about that. <laughs> yeah. And that's just, it's just a whole nother, another world. And I'm sure we could do many podcasts sure. on this. Maybe we will. Maybe we'll pick something a little more specific and hone in on it and, and do uh, some episodes yeah. where we talk about something yeah, really and specific. It, so. And I think it's important. Um, I know this has really been about law enforcement because that's my background, but yeah. uh, you know, this isn't, you know, unique just to law enforcement, right? Yeah. I mean, there, whether you're, you know, 
a firefighter, firefighter. Or I'm not sure about firefighters, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, just you know who you know. Uh, I got I got a, a step brother. Matt Gustafson, his his son was been in the band oh, yeah. for a long time, I and I got to know Matt a little bit. They did some firefighter graduations and stuff here, and the uh, the jokes between <laughs> firefighters because they even yeah whatever they that's it's it's so funny though. Like, where did that come from? The, the like the rivalry. How, how can you not make fun of firefighters? No, I mean like where the <laughs> where the rivalry They're just come sleeping from? Because, all the time. Because it's like the rival yeah. the rivalry is made fun of in movies and stuff too. But like I actually like you're you're saying yeah. it now and then like their firefighters when they're here they make jokes about like yeah. oh the cops were here you yeah. know and we're like yeah they did their oh wait sorry are you guys not buddies like what's the no. what's the deal so where does it, it come from? It's an intense uh, kind of not a rivalry at all. It's it's literally. I mean it's it's all in fun. It's all in fun. Um, I have great friends who are in the, in the fire service. I got relatives in the fire service. Uh, I worked closely with the fire department when I was out in Sonoma. Yeah. Um, it's just more kind of just, you know, good humor ribbing each other. Okay. And, yeah. Um, it's great. So, it's just like, yeah. I I wasn't sure. Like, I know that it's just all in fun, but it's yeah. just kind of funny that it's like, no, this is like a, like, it's almost like with uh, my cousin who was in the, in the Marines for a long time, all yeah. the jokes they have about the Navy SEALs and like, <laughs> just like the different things that they make fun of the different branches yeah. of the military. It's like, well, but in all seriousness, you guys are actually, you have a lot of friends that are Navy SEALs. He's like, sure. yeah, yeah, we're just making oh, making yeah. fun of each other. I'm like, okay, I can, I like that. We make fun <laughs> yeah. of each other all the time in here. here. So. Yeah, um, exactly. Great, yeah, that's awesome. Well, that's a good way to end it, I think, right? It is. So uh, just remember that Brett loves firefighters. That was, uh, <laughs> I'll make sure that. <laughs> that should be edited out. I yeah. Believe. <laughs> all I right, do want to well, have uh, editorial rights on this particular podcast. Well, here, let me, let me make sure that I hit that right there and you get final edit, Brett, I promise. Um, no, I actually, I don't edit too much of this stuff out um i tell people all the time a lot of times when you hear the episode the yeah. only thing that's really cut out is a lot of my talking because you guys don't need to hear from me all the time <laughs> i say a lot of things sometimes and i'm like that didn't need to be heard right here that doesn't yeah. it's just me going on a tangent or something so i cut out a lot of what i sure. say um i don't know if you guys noticed that no you guys were on video last time so there wasn't a whole lot cut out of that one yeah um, <laughs> all right well thank you so much for coming down we're going to do this again uh with next week we've got um, John and John and uh, Sherry Barrett are coming down. They're going to do a podcast with me talking about the struggles that they went through with infertility. Um, and then we're going to bring on a few others that actually they did an episode with me about parenting teens too. So you're mm. here, John Barrett's on the podcast a lot. He's good on this podcast. I oh, like he's, he's great. He's mm-hmm. uh, I think he's he's either past Brett uh, Aplicotis or he's coming up on it on the most <laughs> appearances on the podcast. Um, but then we're going to be doing some other ones with uh, with different married couples who want finances and, and things like that. So that's Sweet. something I think is important that we just keep it's putting great. stuff out there. So yeah. obviously this isn't going to be this, you know, 45 to minute to an hour long episode. It's not going to be all the encouragement that law enforcement families need, but hopefully it's a start and um, can point them to some other resources. So thank you for being here. Thank, thank you. you.